0: Point, how are we doing? It's so good to be with you. Everyone at the campuses watching online, welcome. And I also want to take this moment to wish my mom a very happy birthday. I love you. So glad that you're here. I literally wouldn't be here without you. Um, But no, today, excited for today, we are continuing in our series Masterclass. And what we've been looking at is this sermon that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And Jesus is just the goat, the greatest of all time, the best teacher, just been laying out some powerful, life-changing teachings. Anyone been impacted? Anyone been loving this series? Celebrate Jesus. We can do that this morning. Unreal. And we've covered a lot over the past few weeks. Our lead pastor, Aaron Brockett, has been doing an amazing job. Here's just a short list of some of the stuff we've covered. You know, salt of the earth, light of the world, anger, conflict, adultery, murder, divorce, lust, vows, loving your enemies, and then the cherry on top was money. Can we take a moment and celebrate our lead pastor? An amazing, amazing job. And I thank him for letting me follow him, All right? Yeah, it's such a, an honor. No, no pressure. But we're in this series, Masterclass, and I was thinking about this, of like, why is this concept so hard? What is the idea of this? It's almost challenging to come in here, and here's what it is. I don't think we like being a student. We don't like coming in and placing what we think or, or what we think we should do and this idea that there's a better way to do it. It's like, well, if I knew a better way, I would be doing it, all right? And what we're doing in this spot, though, in this class is to look at Jesus and to say, I believe you are who you say you are. I want to follow you. And here's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that we are going to live as a student of Jesus. That is a humble position that we never get to graduate from. We're always going to be in this spot where we don't have all the answers. But that's tough because we're not great students. If you look back at our progress reports, okay? Go back to humanity in the garden. God was very clear, great teacher. He was like one of those teachers that tries to give you the answer, actually gives you the answer, but we still didn't listen. He's like, hey, real quick before, all right? All of this is good. Everything, this is good, this is good. It's all yours except for this one thing. And then he stepped away and they're like, all we want is that one thing. But I think we also need to embrace the other side of what it means to be a student. It's not just that we're coming to this spot where, where we don't know, but we get to do what students do. And I don't mean like cut class, like. Um, but students show up with this big idea. They're not expected to have all the answers. The idea is that they're going to come in at this time of the year, and then they are going to be completely different students by the end of it. Like we need to embrace that. And I hope that's what you felt over this series is not like condemned, but, but convicted. This idea that, oh, there is so much more of Jesus to be known. There is so much more that that he has for me if I will only be a student of his. But like I said, it's still hard because if you're anything like me, I don't like not knowing. I, I get uncomfortable. Like growing up, um, I'm from Indy, born and raised, but my grandparents actually moved to a little small town in Kentucky uh, after they retired. So I would spend a lot of time down there learning a lot of things that I did not learn in the city, right? I learned like uh, how to milk cows. I didn't do it personally, but I have a working knowledge of the way it's done, right? I know the smells that come along with it. I learned of what it's like to bale hay when it's 165 degrees outside. <laughs> I learned some things. But one night I, w- I was staying down there and we're getting ready for bed. And my grandpa said, hey, tomorrow we're gonna go bush And I said, yes, sir, we are. <laughs> Only problem, I have no idea what bush hogging is. I don't, le- I don't lead out with that though because I wanna go tomorrow and I don't want him to think that I can't do it. So I said, okay, I'll see you in the morning, bright and early. And I go to the room, I lay down and I just try to make sense of it. I'm like, what are we going to do? Bush hogging. And I think about it and I think about it. And the only sense I can make of it is we are going to do something with hogs, pigs. We're, we're going to do something with pigs. Maybe these pigs got back there in the bushes and we need to get them out of those bushes. You can't have pigs in your bushes. So I'm like, all right, that's enough. I'll figure out the rest in the morning. I'm I'm a sharp lad. So we get up and and we go and we start walking towards the tractor and I'm right behind him trying to piece this puzzle together and we get to the tractor and he attaches this large thing to the back of it with all of these blades knives. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What are we going to do to these pigs? But I don't break. I'm like, I'm here. I'm the man for the job. Let's do this. Some of you know what bush hogging is. This is all it is. It's cutting grass. (laughs) That's all we were going to do. But in my head, we were about to do some messed up stuff. (laughs) But I'm like, all right, I'm in too deep. So I get in the bucket and we go down. There's this large field behind their house. And the moment comes, though, where I'm I'm making sense of it all. He says, hey, I'm going to get you started and then you take it from there, does that work? And I said, yes, sir, it does. And he goes and all he does is he goes around the edge of this field and he cuts a strip of grass out of it. And I'm looking at it like, okay, still not clicking. He makes it all the way back around and he says, hey, do you think you can do it just like that? I said, I can do it just like that. And I get in the tractor, he gets down and I start driving and I go around the same loop that he went. (laughs) I didn't cut a blade of brush. It was almost impressive. He was not impressed. Uh, I make it back around, I'm talking acres, and I make it back around, he's waving his hat, trying to get me to stop. He said, son, what are you doing? And I don't know what I thought. I didn't know if we were making like a track for these pigs to run in, like, (laughs) I had no idea. But I thought I was doing what he was doing. He says, son, what are you doing? And I said, bush hogging. (laughs) Today on the syllabus is prayer. And prayer is probably the most universal spiritual discipline that there is. Right. No matter your religious background, there was probably some aspect of prayer. Even if you don't believe in God, you probably still pray. I know I did. One, because... What harm is it going to do? Um, and two, there's almost something instinctively within you. When something goes wrong or you need help, that, that you cry out, that you, that you pray. But I also know that maybe for you, your prayer life is a lot like me on that tractor. You're along for the ride. You're doing it because you think it's what you should be doing. You have no idea what this really is. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. For others of us, maybe you've grown up in the church in a tradition and you have a way of praying that it was passed down to you and you've been saying the same prayers that were modeled and you've never grown from that. And like me on that tractor, it just feels like you're going around the same line over and over again, staying on the exterior. You're never making your way closer and closer to Jesus and you're starting to get to this point of like, what's the point? Why, Why do we pray Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. And I just want to kick things off just to get some uh, just a little foundation for us before we begin the, the teachings of Jesus with just this idea of like, what is prayer? Super basic definition. Prayer is having a conversation with God, talking and listening. Both sides of this. Prayer is a very relational Thing that we're doing. And there is no relationship that has ever existed, no healthy relationship that has ever existed without conversation. Men have tried to get around this truth for thousands of years. There's no way around it. But here's what, why that's important when it comes to prayer because, once again, this will completely give us middle ground. I don't pray to get something, I pray to know someone. You know what I mean? Like a lot of our prayers, myself included, if if left untouched, they immediately go to this is what I need right now. But prayer on a foundational level is having a conversation, hearing and speaking. And it's building a relationship that I get to know God as I move forward with this. Very, very relational. So what we're going to do now is we are going to uh, flip to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Uh, you can go ahead and get there. If not, everything will be on the screen behind me. But Jesus is literally going to deliver a master class on prayer. Very few things does he do this for. Um, but what's also fascinating is of all the things Jesus did, the teachings, the miracles, it's Fascinating to look at the questions people asked him, that they wanted to know from him. Prayer was one of those things. People that had spent their lives praying, they had been taught different ways of what it looked like to pray, but they looked at him and they said, you pray different. Can you teach us to pray how you pray? And Jesus said, sure. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly, on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. So he starts off by saying, hey, this is how not to pray. And he says not to be like the hypocrites. Now, a hypocrite is a fascinating word. Usually this word was used for actors. So back in uh, Greek plays, one person would would carry multiple roles. So the person would go out, they would deliver their part, they would go back, put on a different mask, come back out. Now they are someone new. And Jesus uses this language to talk about the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees. And he says they are hypocrites. And then he draws this picture that they would actually be walking on their way to the temple and they couldn't even make it to the temple. They would just start screaming and hollering and falling down. They were making a show of things. Now, it's important to note that public prayers are not bad. We have all kinds of examples of public prayers in the Bible. What Jesus is getting to and what he's been getting to in this whole sermon is what's the motivation of the heart? Why are they doing this? Why are they praying on the corners? Why are they falling down? Well, he says their reason for doing this is to be seen by people. It's not so that others can come to know God. It's not to do anything. It's so that they can be seen. And he says their reward for this kind of prayer is that they were seen. Congratulations, you did the thing and now you are seen. But he says, that's it. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. But instead do this. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So that he contrasts these two of being out here just praying so that other people will see you. He says, no, 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 for you, don't do that. Don't put on a show. When you pray, you want to talk to God, you want to get to know him Go to your room, shut the door behind you, block out everything else, and then just go into this space where it's only you and him. That's how you pray. And the reason for that kind of prayer is to know God. And the reward that you get for that kind of prayer, the reward that is above all rewards is that you really get to know God. So here's a tough question we have to ask. Is the only time you pray when you have an audience? is the only time you pray when other people are around. Maybe you don't pray all week, but then you you go to group and you're like, hey, we're all praying, I'm gonna jump in on it. I feel like I'm supposed to. I mean, what would they think if I didn't? If you are a parent, I would encourage you to not do this and then try to pretend like you don't. Like if you have people over, maybe the only time you pray is when someone comes over to dinner and you're like, okay, uh, now let's uh, bless this food. Campbell, can you pray? She will call you out in the moment. Of like, we don't pray for food. We only pray uh, on Sundays when the Colts are playing. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Okay, I'll pray. God, thank you for the uh, Colts. Let them win. No. When we pray, once again, we can pray publicly. We can pray in group. We can pray around other people. But the majority of our time, We should be reserving that to know God and to be with him. Like that is what prayer is all about. And then he continues. He runs it back again. He'll do a similar teaching. He says, when you pray, don't don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. So first he started with the religious leaders. He says they're hypocrites. And then he moves on to the Gentiles. And a Gentile is just anyone who wasn't Jewish. So they would go out and they would pray and they would babble on and on and on these really long-winded prayers. And what Jesus is once again getting to, he says, hey, the motivation of their heart, why are they praying prayers like that? Why are they going round and round and round and round? Why do they not stop? Well, it's because to them, they thought that that's the way that they could connect with God. To them, uh, speaking to God was like cracking a safe. Like if I can just dial it in just right, I'll say all the words. And by the end of this thing, I'm going to say the right thing. I'm going to pray to the right God, and then I will get what I need. But Jesus says that is not what prayer is like. Prayer is not trying to convince or manipulate a reluctant God. Prayer is talking to your father. Prayer is having a conversation with your father. And, and then that last line there, though, maybe that line threw you off, and maybe this is why you don't pray, like your mind can't make sense of it. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And maybe that's the, the problem in your head. You're like, if God knows what I want before I know what I want, then what are we doing here? Why don't we just skip this process and we'll just go about life? I love the idea that we think that when we're praying, we are informing God of things that are happening in real time. Like he had no idea until we started praying. And he's like choking on a chicken wing up there. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I had no idea that it was that bad. Thank you for informing me. No, it says when you go, you're going to go talk to your loving father. And that word father... This is a word that will completely change the gravity of your prayer life if we choose to use it. Because like I said, the God we serve is not some reluctant God, not a distant God. No, the Bible calls him Father. Jesus has used it not only in the first example, but in the second example as well. He says, when you go and you talk, you are talking to your Father and remember that. Why? Because going back to the Gentiles, when they were praying, they, didn't, they weren't praying to a father. They were praying to a cold God. The, their relationship with God was much more like a boss-employee relationship. And here's why that's a problem. A boss relationship is based on what I do. Primarily, when you sit down with your boss, it is all about what you do, what you are executing on, the products that you can bring. How are you, how are you standing up to that? What God wants is a fatherly, fatherly relationship which is based on who I am. This is very, very different. And depending on which way you see God will completely change what comes out of your mouth. Your prayer life will be completely changed if you see God as a boss or if you see God as your father. I mean, think about this. I think about it with my kids. Like my kids do not come in and definitely don't treat me like I'm some boss. Like they don't come in with their credentials. Like, uh ahem. Excuse me, Father, may I have a moment of your time? It is I, your daughter, who has been with you since birth, since the year of our Lord, 2012. I stand here as a graduate of preschool, first grade, second grade, third grade, and Lord willing, soon to be fourth. No! They just come in asking all the questions. They treat me like I am a loving father. There are no credentials in their hand. Here's the truth that kids know that we have to be able to realize when it comes to our relationship with God. My prayers are heard because I'm my father's child. My prayers are heard because I'm my father's child. I think there's a lot of us who go into prayer like we're going into a job interview where we're bringing in our resume. And before we have a conversation with God, we begin to list out all the things we've done, all the things that we want to do, why we are credible to receive what we are going to ask God to do. And what Jesus is saying, no, no, no. The only reason you are heard is because you are a child of God. Save the resumes, leave them at the, leave them at the door. When you shut it behind, you come in as a child. That is the kind of relationship that we have with our father. And Jesus is going to continue going on this, um, But what I want to do, just just for a second, just for for clarity's sake, um, I want us to think about our prayers. Really think about them. And here's another tough question to ask. If someone heard your prayers, would they think this was a conversation between you and your father or you and your boss? Think about it. Reflect on your prayers. Think back to maybe the prayer you said this morning, the prayers you said this past week. If someone overheard you praying, would they think you were on the phone with your boss or on the phone with your father? Like that's the kind of prayer life that we want to have. That it is very clear that when we go to prayer, we are talking to our father, not to a boss. That we are not trying to twist the arm of some reluctant God, but we're just coming to have time with our father. And that's kind of like the first section of Jesus's masterclass on prayer. And now he's going to shift gears and he's going to do the thing that we always hoped teachers would do. He's going to get super practical. He's going to take these big ideas of what prayer isn't and what it is, because some of you right now are thinking that's great, but give me the exact words. Nobody ever gives you the exact words. Jesus is going to give us the exact words. He teaches all that and then he says, hey, and when you pray, pray like this. And this is known as the Lord's Prayer. We're going to read it in its entirety, uh, break down a few things, and then just go line by line all the way through this. All right, y'all ready for part two, session two? Didn't know you were getting a two-for-one today. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And a few important things to know, like this is not an all-encompassing prayer, meaning this is all that we say. Jesus, a lot of times, would pray all morning, all night sometimes. He was saying more than this, but he wasn't saying less, right? Um, What we get to do is every single day, we approach this and we pray that prayer every single day, but that's like the skeleton. Those are the headings of the prayer. And then whatever's real, whatever's on our hearts in that moment, we bring that and we fill in the gaps. And then that becomes the fullness of our prayer. The second thing that I want to really just highlight is it's amazing just the genius of Jesus, of what he's doing, of like all of his teachings come together. Uh, So what's happening now is he's taking the lifeline, the most important thing with our relationship with God, prayer, and he's fusing it together with what he said was the kingdom ethic, the most important thing. If you boil everything, all of God's ways down, what, what stands out? Anybody remember this? Don't worry, I got it for you. It's right here. They said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Take a look at this. This is amazing. What God is doing is he's taking the kingdom ethic, the most important thing, and he's taking our prayer relationship And he's putting them together, bringing them into one, and so that they can be combined. Okay, I'm only going to do this once. This isn't a magic trick, but it's this idea that he's bringing it all together. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And and I, I want us to see this because maybe you've never seen the Lord's Prayer like this. But once you begin to see all that Jesus is doing, it really comes to life and how important this is to him. Think about it, that first section that we read is all about loving God. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about just taking a moment and loving God. And then if you go down in logical order, it's all about loving people. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us as, as we forgive those who sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue You see that order now, love God, love people. One more thing I want to point out of this prayer is notice the communal language that's used. It is not a prayer that says, my Father in heaven. He says, our Father in heaven. And then look at how everything shifts. Give us, forgive us as those who sin against us and don't let us yield. It's this idea that even when I'm in prayer, even when I'm in the most intimate place where it's just me and God, I've shut everything else out. I still cannot withdraw from this place of being connected to God and people. Jesus is keeping that on the forefront of our mind. All right. Now with all that, let's go ahead and just walk through it line by line of what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus says, Our Father in heaven. Once again, It's gonna sound like we keep saying this over and over again. It's because Jesus has literally used this in every example. Both two examples on the first side and now he leads off with it. It's this idea of father. This idea of father. And I know for a lot of us, we have a hard time maybe with this because maybe you didn't grow up with the best earthly father. So the idea of seeing God as as a father is more hurtful than, than helpful. But I love the way that Dr. Tony Evans says it. He says, some people have had bad fathers and say they can't relate to God as Father, but we are not to measure our heavenly Father by the standard of our earthly ones. Rather, we are to measure our earthly fathers by the standard of our Father in heaven, who is perfect. He is the ultimate definition of what a Father is. And what I want to say about that is if you begin to see God as a Father, It will completely change your view of prayer and your relationship with God, what you're asking for, everything. And here's what I know just about the idea, the concept of a father by being raised by a a loving father. Here's just some simple things. Anything that I asked my dad for, he would give it to me with, with two stipulations. One, if he can. If he can. If he can do it for me, he would. He can't give It's impossible. He can't give me what he doesn't have. Even if he really wanted to, he can't. If it would be good for me. We would say that a good father here on earth would not willingly give you something that would be hurtful or harmful. So he would give it to me if he could. And he would give it to me if he thought it would be good for me. Now, when we apply these same two things to our heavenly father, we know that the first one is completely off the table. There is nothing our God can't do. He can do anything that is good. So if my life isn't going the way that I think it should, if my prayers aren't being answered the way I think they should, I'm not brought to a place where I guess God doesn't hear me. I guess I need to do more things. I guess uh, it's something about me. No, no. Remember, I'm being heard because I am a child of God. So when things don't go the way that I think they should, I have this peace knowing that, no, my father has something better for me. That the reason this I'm not getting this is because it would actually hurt me rather than help me. That God has a better plan for my life. But to trust that in the moment is really really hard. And the word we have for that is faith. To faith to, to have faith to trust that even when it doesn't work out, especially when it doesn't work out, my father has a good plan for my life as a child of his. The second one is this. May your name be kept holy. Holy, this this one really fights against our temptation to jump right into prayer and get right down to business of all the things that we need, all the things that we want. We got a busy day coming. I only got a 15 minute commute. God, are you ready? This is a moment to say, no, no, no. I'm here to adore you, God. It's this reminder that our God is holy. And maybe the best way to understand that word holy is simply unique. It's to say that there is no one like our God a God that has always existed, a God that, that knows everything, that sees everything, that is powerful enough to do anything, and that's the God whose presence I am in in this moment. That the God who holds those planets and the solar systems together is also the God that wants to hold my life together as well, that cares about me. It's this idea to, to not only keep his name holy, but I'm also praying, God, God, Let other people keep your name holy too. Let other people come to know who you are the way that I've come to know you. And then look at the next one. He says, may your kingdom come soon. You see the the logical order in this? Why is God's name not being kept holy? Well, it's because there's a different kingdom. That there's the kingdom that, that Jesus is ushering in with his ways where he's king, but then there's also other kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, there's the the kingdom that the devil is running. And he says, no, to look out and to say, I don't want those kingdoms. I don't even wanna build my own kingdom. God, I want your kingdom. I want your kingdom to advance, first starting here in our hearts. God, I want your kingdom to take up residence here. I want it to fill my house. I want it to take over my neighborhood, my community, my city, my state. God, your kingdom come to the ends of the earth so that other people can come to know the goodness of your kingdom and the king of your kingdom. This is a moment to stop and to ask, is there anywhere in my life where the kingdom of God is not? Is there anywhere in my life where I wanna see the kingdom of God come? Could be at school, could be at work, could be at my house, wherever it is, this is a moment in time to pray for that. And then look at how he closes it out. This first section, he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Well, in heaven, things are done exactly the way God wants them to be done when he wants them to be done. All are worshiping him. Things are exactly the way that they should be. This is a call to say, I want things up there to be like that. Down here, but that's also a prayer to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And the reason we can't pray that prayer, not the way that we should, is because we don't know God. I mean, think about that. If we truly believed with 100% of our hearts that there was a real God who really created us, who knew everything about us, knew everything, we would say, teach us everything. We don't want to do anything on our own. We just want to follow you exactly, but we don't. Why? Because in moments we have this feeling of, I think I would rather do this. I think this will actually be better. I know that may be better long-term, but right now this, this is looking pretty good. This is feeling pretty good. But if we could know God, then we would want God's will. And not not to know the God that, that you heard about on the news, not to know the God that was handed down to you from your grandparents, not to know the God from social media, the tyrant God, the absent God, not to know the Heavenly Father God. Do you know that God? A God who could be best known as just a God who continues to love us. Think about this: We were created. Why? An act of love. God did not need us, He wanted us. And even when He created us, and even when we didn't pass the test, He still pursued us. He sent His only Son, Jesus, an act of love to live the life that we should have lived. And He lived it perfectly. He lived God's will out. He was a perfect embodiment of who God is. And what was His reward for this type of life? He was murdered. He was sent to a cross for me and you to pay the penalties for our sins, an act of love. And our God did not remain dead. That he rose three days later, defeating sin and death once and for all, and then giving us the reward that only he deserved. And he still wasn't done. He said, when I go, I'm gonna send you another advocate the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, so that we could be empowered to love God and love people, to live a life that could only be described as a continuous act of love, mirroring our Father in heaven. This is the God we want you to know. This is the God that you can have a relationship with starting today. Is there anybody here today that knows the kind of God we're talking about? The good father, the one that is there for you. All right, he's going to switch gears here now, and he's, he's moving to that bottom section. So that was all love God, and now we're going to move into love people. He says, give us the food we need. It's important. Uh, The word food here, it's actually, it's bigger than just food. It's like, uh, give us our needs. Give us the necessities. Food, clothing, shelter. Every day, I'm praying this. And not for me, I'm praying it for us, that, that God would give us what we need. And here's what that does. What it begins to do in our minds is that when we realize everything that we have, as we go through our day, The clothes we put on our back, the food we eat, even where we lay our head at night, it was all a complete and utter gift. We did not earn it. It was given our breath It was not earned. It was given. What that does is it frees us up to be generous. This is why the church was so generous. Why it is so generous. Because this idea that nothing's mine, it's all given, so now I want to see God's people have what they need. Now I'm a part of God's will in his kingdom, and so I'm going first. It's this idea of praying not just for me, but praying for all of us, and then stepping in and allowing God to use us to meet those needs. The second one is and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins. You know, as followers of Jesus, our sin, sins have been forgiven in the sense of salvation. That's not what this is talking about. Not for salvation's sake, but for relationship's sake. That if we have sin in our lives that we have not asked for forgiveness from, it is going to keep us at a distance from God and us at a distance from people, which both are no good for us. So this is a moment to come in and to confess our sins to share with God our hearts and to seek forgiveness from him and to give us courage to ask for it from others. He even doubles down on this at the end of this prayer. And he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. It's this idea, if, and as wild as this sounds, because I know there's people in your life that have done horrible, horrible things to you, but it's this idea, if, if you can't find forgiveness in your heart, then you truly haven't received the forgiveness from God. You haven't felt, I guess a better way, you haven't felt the weight of it. You haven't seen how, how dark and twisted your sin is. You haven't felt the weight of all that God had to do for you. While we were enemies, God died for us. God did all of this. And this is a moment to extend forgiveness to those that we've been withholding it from. To speak with God, to share it with him first, and then for him to empower us to go and to seek the forgiveness that we need from other people. To extend forgiveness to those that maybe didn't even ask for it. This is a powerful, powerful prayer. And look at how he ends it. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's this idea that when you get done with prayer, it's not like, okay, God, I give you these few minutes in the morning and then I go about my day and then I'll hit you up again in the morning. It's this idea of, no, I'm getting out of this private space of prayer and I'm going through my life, but I'm not done hearing from God. And God, I don't want to go out here building my own kingdom, following my own will. I want to be empowered by your spirit. Not to yield, not not to go into that temptation, but God, to trust the way and the path that you have for me. We talk about that here all the time of like Jesus is not just our savior that he saved us from our sins and one day we'll go to heaven. No, he's Lord of our life. Every decision we make, he's at the top of that. And that's the filter of why we do what we do. Jesus continued this message right before he was going to the cross to be murdered. You remember what he said to his disciples? He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is a moment to say, God, without you, I'm going to become a victim out there. Without you, I'm going to fall back into the same ruts that I've been living in. Without you, I'm going to fall to temptation. But with you, I will be victorious. With you, I believe I will have the strength and the power to move forward. With you, I believe I can be a part of something as wild as bringing heaven to earth. God, lead me in your ways. Now, here's the application. Here's what we, what we do with this. Super simple, very hard. Every day this week, pray the Lord's Prayer. Every day this week, pray the Lord's Prayer. And I would say in the morning. And there's always someone that's like, tries to wiggle out of like, well, actually I work nights, so not up in the morning, wish I could. Sorry, man. See you next time. Okay. Okay. Um, Start your day with prayer. Start your day with prayer. The language that's used in this prayer makes it seem like we're supposed to be praying this every single day. And I also want to say, if you've never prayed before, this is a great place to start. And I'll say, if you've been praying your whole life, 40, 50, 60 years, there's no better prayer to pray. There's no deeper prayer. There's no more of a prayer This is for all of us. Both sides can step into this. And I also want us to hear that word start. We say that a lot because it's true of any discipline, spiritually, physically. Like if you've never worked out before, I wouldn't be like, hey, this week, two hours a day, six days a week, you work out. You will never work out again. But I do want to say it's a starting point. It's this idea that where we start should never be how we end that your prayers should look differently now than they did a year ago. And your prayers should look differently now than they will in five years. You should be getting closer and closer to God. The language is changing. The relationship is changing. You know, some of you know that I took a sabbatical uh, this past year and I got to really kind of push in on prayer. That was one of the things I wanted to focus on was to pray. And I kind of set myself up to do some things that I'd never done before, like a 48-hour Silent retreat. Now, it's important to know I've never done a silent retreat before, not a 24 hour, not a 12 hour, not a six hour, not a four hour, but I decided 48 hours. That's the way I'm going to do it. And I went in and I failed. I did not make it 48 hours. All right. But I'm going to, a few disclaimers. One, it was at a spot that was like maybe an hour from here, um, out in the middle of nowhere. And if my story of bush hogging has taught you anything, it's that I don't belong way out there. (laughs) And I get there and I'm in the middle of these cabins in the middle of these woods surrounded by people that most likely are going to murder me. That's in my head of like, (laughs) this is where I die. Um, So I'm there, I'm trying to get into it and I'm taking it very, very seriously, like silent, no music, not even worship music, nothing. Just me, God, prayer, and I'm going through it and I get through the first day and it's night. And when night comes, I didn't realize I could become even more afraid than I already was. So I start walking around this cabin, checking all the windows, checking the doors, try to lay down, can't sleep, I'm so worried. I actually get up and I grab one of the kitchen chairs, I take it to the front door and I jam it up against the front door, thinking that'll be what'll stop them. If they really, if they're like, ah, it's too much work, we won't, we won't, we won't mess with him there. I wake up the next morning and I jump back into it. I'm just white knuckling it. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. Let's do this. And then I noticed something about the motivation of my heart. Why was I there? I think I had good reasons when I thought of it. But once I got there, it did not become, it was nothing about hearing from God. It was nothing about being with God. It was about doing it, accomplishing it, saying that I did it. And I knew this was as I was going through, I kept looking at the clock. And at first, it was just like I would look and see, okay, how many hours do I have left? And then it began to be, how many minutes do I have left? And I just had this conviction of God of like laying on me of like, what are you doing here, man? Like, can you imagine hanging out with your dad and like, I'm going to spend the weekend with you? And then every 20 minutes, you're checking your clock, like, are we good here? Did I do it enough? Is how much time do we have left? And I got up and I packed up my stuff and I was so bummed, I felt defeated. I left a half a day early and I drive home and I tell my wife, hey, I'm on my way. I'll be there. I'll be there in a second. But I love the way, I, by all standards, I, I failed. But I love the way Denzel says it. He says, if you're going to fail, fall forward. And what God gave me over the rest of that summer was opportunities to do it right? opportunities not to look um, at these cold agendas, not to say that you could mark it off, not to just do it, to do it, but to, to be in prayer, to be with me. And he opened some things up for me of like why I was so afraid to be in prayer, specifically on sabbatical. You see, I spent the past 12 years, I became a Christian, started serving in the church pretty much back to back, which is great. I think that's the way it's supposed to go. But as a result, most of my prayers were all related to what I was doing. And they were most of the time for God. God, help me write this sermon. God, thank you for this. God, help me with this marriage counseling. Help me with this tough conversation. Help me with this service project. But what I realized was I was bringing a resume. I was saying, God, are you proud of me? I was trying to use that as a way to step into his presence. And when I didn't have that, When I was on sabbatical and there was no sermons to write, no counseling to do, no projects, I really had to feel the weight of trusting. Do I believe that I am being heard because I'm my father's child? And what he allowed me to experience all summer was yes. Empty handed, nothing to show, nothing to prove. I was just embraced by God. And it was so good for my soul. It was so good to know that it is not about what I do. That is not the relationship God wants to have with us. It is about who I am to him. And that's the kind of relationship that we can all have with God. That's the kind of relationship that can free you and change your life. And the way we wanna close out today is just by practicing what we preach. I just wanna lead us in a time as we go through the Lord's prayer, And we'll just go line by line and just throw out some words, allow you to sit there and to pray before you move on to the next thing. And then after that, we're gonna go into a moment of communion. And if you have it, you can take it with us. If not, if you don't have it or you don't want to take it, no worries at all, use this as a moment to reflect. And after we've prayed and taken communion, we're gonna move into a time of worship. Well, we're just gonna simply cry out for God to, to make room. We wanna make room for him, for his kingdom, his will, to let go of all the things that are stopping us from being able to love God and love people, to trust him fully with our hearts. Would you join us in prayer? Our Father in heaven, God, you are not a, a cold God. You are not a reluctant God. You're not an absent God, you are a heavenly father who knows our needs even before we know them, who has a plan for our lives that is better than anything we could dream up on our own. God, I pray that we could see you as a good father, not to let the view of you be tainted by any of these earthly circumstances, but God, you are a perfect father. May your name be kept holy, holy on our lips. God, you are unique. Let us not pretend that you are anything other than a holy God, all knowing, all powerful, all seeing. God, we are in your presence. that even you have everything that you could possibly ever want and what you desire is to be with us. God, let us step into that empty-handed. No credentials, no resume, not I'm just here for this. No, we are here because we love you. We're here because we want to know you. May your kingdom come soon. God, we know that your kingdom has been coming for a long time. God, we pray with desperation that it would come soon. And this means we need to dismantle the little kingdoms that we have built in our lives. We need to look and examine where the kingdoms are that we need to dismantle so that we can help build your kingdom. And God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts. I pray your kingdom would start within us. And God, we pray right now for all the places where we desire your kingdom to show up. Where is that? Is it at work? Is it at school? Is it at home? Is it with our parents? Is it with our... Who is it? Share that right now. Where do you want to see God's kingdom? Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, your ways are above our ways. But God, we know that we won't trust your will and your ways until we know you, until we see you for who you are, until we have an accurate an accurate picture so God I pray that this day would 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 push us into just a, a better relationship with you a more intimate relationship with you where we could see over and over again your ways have been tested you are faithful you are faithful to trust and so God I pray that it would be your will over ours, not our will, but let your will be done. God, I pray that you would give us the food that we need, need, let us not get wrapped up in wants, but God, I pray that we thank you for every good thing that we have. God, don't let us take credit how hard we worked or what we did to deserve it. Anything that passes through our hands, God, we we see it right now as a gift and we thank you as the giver of all good gifts. God, I pray that you would use us, this church, to meet the needs, to be a part of your mission, your kingdom, your will, to see it come. God, help us to fill the needs of those around us and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. God, we just, in a moment of confession right now, we confess in all the ways that we've turned against you, in all the ways we've chosen our will over yours, in the hurtful things that we've done. God, it's foolish to believe that there's anything that we can hide from you. There's nothing that you don't already know, but God, there's healing that comes when we confess. There's a closeness that we can move to in our relationship when we confess. And God, when we receive forgiveness from you for the the horrible things, the things that we know that other people don't know, it gives us the power to forgive those that have hurt us. So God, I pray for, for all the names that are on our hearts right now, people that we don't think that we could forgive ever. God, I pray that your spirit would empower us to understand the full gospel, the weight of what was done for us. And God, we would extend what has been extended to us, which is forgiveness. And don't lead us, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, as we go from here, do not let this be a one-time thing. This isn't a -a once-a-week type of thing. God, but we want to live Like, this is true. We want to live as your representatives. And God, I pray that you would lead us, that we would not fall into temptation. We would not go back to the way things were, but God, we would desire you, not only as Savior, but as Lord God. We trust your spirit. And God, I pray that you give us the courage to step through in on that. I pray you give us the wisdom that is beyond our understanding, even when it doesn't feel like this is right or it feels like we should do this, God, I pray that your loving fatherly hand would would guide us to where we need to go. And God, in this moment, we just want to reflect. God, that this prayer, we wanna bring it together and just sit for a little bit longer before this day moves on and to take communion. God, to take these elements that represent you, this bread which represents your body and this juice that represents your blood. God, for us to remember that you are the loving God that we're here for. And so God, as we take this cracker, we remember Jesus. We remember all that he sacrificed his body that was broken for us, what he went through on the cross to move us from enemies to family. We take this in remembrance of you. And Lord, now we take the juice Father, we we take this that represents your son's blood, the sacrifice that was made for us, that is allowed for all of this, for this moment of connection, to be able to pray like this, to be able to address you as father, to be able to live the life that you've called us to live. It is all possible because of this sacrifice. So we thank you and we take this in your name. Father, we just wanna end our time here in a moment of worship. We have learned from your teachings, we have seen your word. And God, now we wanna respond in worship. We wanna respond in surrender to say that we are at the end of ourselves, that we wanna make room for you, make room for your kingdom, make room for your will, make room for you to have your way. God, I pray that this prayer, your prayer, would continue as it has for thousands of years to shape and to mold the hearts of men and women to become followers of you. Jesus, we ask all of this in your perfect name, amen.